You know, earlier on in the week, we heard about uh, Porter Airlines having a close call as they were trying to land here at our airport with what could be a drone. Uh, there's been a lot of stories in the paper about drones and, you know, how they their negative effects and, you know, people spying on other people with their drones or them possibly interfering with um, air traffic and the likes. And, and maybe we'll have to move on to registering your drone. Uh, but I think this is such an interesting story. Uh, defibrillator equipped drones could be first on the scene as far as cardiac arrest patients go. And this is because fire trucks and ambulances, they just can't get to the scene quick enough. So what happened was a University of Toronto computer science engineer decided that, you know, maybe they could find a faster way using computer models. He has determined strategically placed drones could carry defibrillators and beat ambulances to the scene by a lot, cutting response times in half, which is incredible because only 10% of people who suffer cardiac arrest outside of a hospital survive. We're joined now by Michael Nolan, who is chief of the Renfrew, Renfrew Paramedic Service and in charge of the drone pilot project that will be working on this. Michael, nice to have you on the show. Good afternoon. So uh, tell us a little bit about this project and how it's going to work, because you are in charge of the pilot project. Sure. So in uh, Renfrew County, in the Ottawa Valley, we've been uh, using drones in the paramedic service for the past three years. And uh, we've used them at motor vehicle collisions. We've used them at crime scenes uh, to do search and rescue. Uh, This pilot project is going to allow us to be able to work with Transport Canada to fly beyond visual line of sight, so beyond the operator being able to see the drone at all times. And when we can do that and be able to deliver a life-saving device such as a defibrillator, it really gives us an advantage as a paramedic service. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I didn't know this until uh, I started reading a little bit more into this. Drone operators have to follow Transport Canada regulations, which govern that model aircraft and unmanned aerial vehicles have to always be kept within the operator's line of sight. So you can, uh, you're going to have to change some uh, Transport Canada regulations if this project flies. No, pardon the pun there. <laughs> so, yes, we've been working with Transport Canada for a number of years now, and and they really take a, a graduated approach. So we were given a what's called a special flight operating certificate to fly in certain conditions, and they gave us considerable latitude so that we could do it where someone's life was at risk. But no one has yet uh, been able to uh, have the ability to fly beyond line of sight, which you know would limit you certainly to a couple of uh, hundreds of meters uh, from the operators. But we know from our technology Uh, we're allowed to put uh, observers in the field. So if we're doing a search over a square kilometer, as long as one of my observers can see the drone, then uh, the operator can safely fly it. So the technology is not the limitation, it's the regulation today. Right. And uh, according to uh, the UFT computer science engineers' uh, work here, it looked at the impact of a network of 81 drone bases with 100 drones in the eight municipalities in the GTA and determined that that would cut the time it takes for ambulances to arrive by more than half in 90% of cardiac arrests. And that would, in the rural regions, the average response team, by using these drones with the Fribs, would uh, drop from 19 minutes to 9 minutes. That's a lot of life-saving time for sure. It sure is. And we typically think in cardiac arrest that for every minute that goes by, your chance of survival diminishes by about 10%. So any, any minute that we can save uh, has a significant impact. And that research showed, uh, based upon uh, the amount of time to be saved, 
that we could potentially quadruple our survival rate. And these drones could fly about 100 kilometers directly to an emergency. Last night, I don't know if you were watching it, Michael, but I was watching Modern Family. And I thought, wow, it's so great to have you on the show today because during the Modern Family episode, spoiler alert, Phil uses a defrib and electrocutes himself. So I was thinking, okay, you can get the drone there with the defibrillator, but what happens next? Tell us how the project's going to work. Sure. So, um, so currently when someone phones into the paramedic service dispatch, we get an automatic uh, address location or a cell phone location. Uh, the concept is that uh, by having that information, we would be able to automatically send the closest uh, UAV or drone to that location and then be able to manually land it in a safe place uh, close to the rescuer or the bystanders involved. From there, they can, uh, in our case, we have a defibrillator already uh, deployable with our, with our drone. Mm-hmm. You simply unzip the case, remove the defibrillator once the drone is safely uh, on the ground, and then it will walk you through every step of CPR and defibrillation without worry of having to get shocked as a rescuer. Yeah, I understand that, uh, that there's a 911 dispatcher that's going to guide the caller through in some uh, circumstances here? Yeah, and that's, that's the, uh, the key part, is that it allows the paramedics to continue to do what they've been doing, but will allow uh, the dispatch centre to be able to send the drone with the defibrillator ahead yeah. So that really becomes an extension of the paramedic service. And would really, you know, calm you down, because I know these 911 operators are there and they are trained in keeping uh, whoever they're talking to calm. That's right. And today, they, when you phone 911 for someone who's in cardiac arrest, they'll walk you through every step of CPR, uh, let you know where the local or closest defibrillator is. But unfortunately, 85% of sudden cardiac arrests don't occur in public places. So this this program would really be... Uh, targeting where we don't already have a public access defibrillator. It's a game changer. And so I know the one question that people are thinking right now as we uh, wrap up this interview, Michael, is how is this going to work in inclement uh, winter weather? Will these drones be able to fly? They will, actually. They they have um, significant tolerances uh, better than, uh, for say, a helicopter or an, air, or an airplane. Um, they do have some uh, limitations, such as freezing rain, mm. uh, as, as any aircraft does. But uh, the, the risk benefit in terms of being able to send a drone with a defibrillator for someone that we know that that's the only thing that's going to make a difference between life and death, it allows us to be able to judge the circumstances and uh, give them the benefit of that service, even when the weather is poor. How long till you think this is up and running? Well, we're working with Transport Canada very closely now. We're in discussions next week hoping to launch our first pilot program in the first quarter of 2017, and I'd like to see it fully operational within five years. Michael, I appreciate you joining us. Exciting work you're doing. Thank you so much.